Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, Grace and Peace to you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Of course, you never left, but in our minds we recollect that you are here, that you know who we are by name, where we live, what's going on in our lives, even in our minds right now. I pray, Lord, that you would take my lips and speak through them, that you would take our minds and think through them, that you would take our wills and bend them to your own, and that you would take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Let me mention three different kinds of calendar that all of us are acquainted with. This is by way of introduction to ascension. Ascension Day was this week on Thursday, and it gets lost in the calendar because it's on a Thursday. But let me tell you three different kinds of calendar that all of us are familiar with. First is a national calendar, like New Year's Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day, July 4th, Thanksgiving, Veterans Day, President's Day. All of them are part of a national calendar calendar. Most of those kids get a vacation and even folks from work. They're not only in the national calendar, but they are national holidays, just like President's Day. So that's a national calendar. Then there is a personal calendar. It's much smaller for most of us, like your birthday is in your calendar. Graduation, class of 2019, from kindergarten maybe, middle school, high school, college. Graduations are very important to us. They're in our calendar. Maybe for the rest of your life, you graduate from high school this year, you will know that you were the class of 2019. Those personal calendars which have in their anniversaries for weddings. Maybe you always remember the anniversary of your mom and dad's death, if you've lost them. Maybe some tragedy in your own personal life. Maybe some of you have marked out the day you asked Jesus to come into your life. But all those are a personal calendar. The third calendar is a church calendar. The beginning of the church calendar, traditionally all around the world, with the church worldwide. Advent, those Sundays leading up to Christmas. That's the beginning of the church calendar. And then you've got Christmas. And then you move on and you get Lent, which leads to Good Friday, which leads to Easter Sunday. At the very least, we know about Christmas and Easter. One of the calendar blends or overlaps is we have a Thanksgiving Day as part of our national calendar, but it always, for us who know and love Jesus, is a real day of Thanksgiving in the church calendar. What gets lost in the church calendar is Ascension Day. And you'll find out why in just a moment. 
as we make our way through this text. But these, this church calendar is not incidental. It's grown over the years and traditionally commemorates the mighty acts of God in history. And we remember them and celebrate them, often with something of a party atmosphere. Well, I want to follow, have you follow along with me as we make our way, on our way to talking about the ascension of Jesus. That is, when he went up to glory from this earth. I have actually been with various groups of Christians on the Mount of Olives, where Jesus rose, levitated with his new resurrection body from the ground up into the clouds when he went back to heaven. We're celebrating that today because Thursday of this past week was Ascension Day. Now let me turn your attention to then chapter 1 of Acts and let us read our way through this and I'll make comment as we go. If you all could bring that up on the screen, those opening verses. So I'll be reading from my Bible here. In the first book, I told you Theophilus. The first book is the Gospel of Luke. Pastor Doug kind of, Doug kind of alluded to that. Luke, who was a doctor, wrote both the Gospel of Luke and this right reading, which is the Acts of the Apostles. What happened after Jesus rose and went back to glory? So in the first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach, implying that Jesus is still doing, and Jesus is still teaching, and Jesus is even doing a work here amongst us this morning, and still teaching as his Spirit speaks through my words and through your thoughts and your responses. All that he began to do and teach, until the day he was taken up to heaven. And there it is. He was taken up to heaven. After giving his chosen apostles, those first disciples, further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive during the 40 days after he suffered. 40 days from Jesus on the cross brings you to Thursday of last week. 40 days. And because the ascension is commemorated on a Thursday, we've got 1,000 things to do every Thursday, but on that particular Thursday, it just passes by. So we leverage it into the service and talk about it because it is of consequence. Do you realize, and I don't know, maybe you will think of it now, every time we see the, say the creed, every time we say what we believe, we speak about Jesus dying on the cross, rising on the third day, and ascending to heaven where he sits, sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We said that together here this morning. He's crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, rises from the dead, and ascends to glory. And the symbol of sitting on the right hand of God is the place of authority and might. 
We've all expressed that by way of the creed, and now you know why the 40 days brings us to Thursday, Ascension Day, and we're talking about it as part of the coronation of Jesus as he goes back to glory. I'll come back to that in just a moment. Move on with me through this text. So he talked to them during those 40 days about the kingdom of God, further teaching. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is Pentecost. The few days brings us to next weekend when we will celebrate Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon those first believers, baptizing them with power and authority, and it's really known as the birthday of the church worldwide, Pentecost. So next weekend, we'll be celebrating Pentecost. The word pente literally means 50 It's another 10 days after last Thursday brings you to Pentecost and we will be celebrating that together, the birthday of the church. And since it's a day of power and empowerment, the flames coming and lighting on the head of the apostles originally, and they're speaking in the languages of the people who were present in Jerusalem right then. An extraordinary miracle that the baptism day if you will, the birthday of the church, which we will be celebrating. We encourage you to wear red, all the red you can wear, so that we will be, in that sense, participating in that celebration. Follow along with me as we continue. So, he says, the Father alone, because they're asking him, look at verse 6, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, Has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Those first believers were still fastened on their own kingdom, their own nation of Israel, being delivered from Roman occupation and authority, and there being the holy people of God to live and worship as God had called them. That's where they were focused. That's what they called it, our kingdom. Later on, you'll see a contrast there. In any case, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. And what you've got there is a fourth calendar, God's calendar, because there is a day when Jesus is coming back to establish his kingdom worldwide and forever, and that's in God's calendar. Jesus is saying to them, I don't know, you don't know. That is to the Father's authority and honor and glory, and he alone has that authority and sets those dates and times. But, he goes on to say, look at verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now he's back to the day of Pentecost next week. And you will be my witnesses. Now, that's not a command. That's a description of an actuality, a fact. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And in the everywhere, he talks about Jerusalem, 
which is right where they were, throughout Judea, which was their immediate surroundings, Samaria, they despised the Samaritans, and to the ends of the earth, the rest of the Gentile world, which includes us. You will be my witnesses. So what he's describing there is the extension of God's kingdom from just our kingdom to his kingdom. And saying this, here it is, his ascension. He was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken up from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. When you come to those two men, everything we're talking about here is supernatural, above the natural order of things. Jesus levitating in that resurrection body and rising up to glory. They're standing and looking, watching him smaller and smaller till he's gathered up in a cloud, whether it's a, a cloud that is nothing but vapor or the cloud of glory that the Bible speaks of in the Old Testament, Shekinah cloud, the glory of heaven. That doesn't tell us. But they're straining and looking when these two men in white robes suddenly are standing there. They are angels. And just as the rising of Jesus from the dead is supernatural, just as Jesus ascending to glory is supernatural, it reminds us when we see these men dressed in white that there is another whole world around us because before they became visible, those two men were already there, but not visible. And then suddenly they become visible. And they start addressing these immediate followers of Jesus, saying, why are you standing here gawking into heaven? God's got a plan for you to get on with. And you are to get on with that particular plan. That's the ascension narrative describing why we celebrate Ascension Day. Now, what it literally means in two or three different scenarios is this. First of all, There are two worlds, the one you can see all around us, the natural and the supernatural, the beyond nature, beyond natural, these two different worlds. It reminds us that there are two different kingdoms, our human world of authority with different leaders, different nations, and God's kingdom, which is a worldwide kingdom beyond just any local authority or language. And he is the Lord of that kingdom. That there are two realities, the seen and the unseen. The seen is fleeting and decaying, changing all around I see. The seen is all about change. The unseen is the real world. C.S. Lewis And I hope you like the Aslan-like figure, the Jesus figure from C.S. Lewis's writings about Narnia. In any case, C.S. Lewis said this, because he was wanting to convey 
how real the unseen world is, he spoke about shadowlands. And he wasn't speaking about heaven and the eternal world. He was describing earth as the shadowland because it's all change and decay. It's the nature of things. But there is a world that doesn't change, doesn't decay, is eternal, and is unseen. That's the real world. All that wrapped up in the supernatural scene we've just witnessed in Jesus going back to glory. Now, the next thing I want you to grasp is this, that Jesus in glory, and I'm lost for words as to convey it, but I'll put it in these terms. Jesus, when he came to earth as a baby at Christmas time, left glory, left the presence of the Father, left the place where for all eternity he had been loved and adored, admired, acclaimed, and became a human being, born in a fragile little baby's body, growing up to be an adolescent and then a man, and to give his life on the cross. Let me read some words of his in a prayer that he prayed at the Last Supper, as he anticipated going home. He was speaking to the Father, and he said this. This is John 17, verse 14. Excuse me, verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Here he's anticipating the very next day after this prayer, dying on the cross, paying for our sins so that we can be forgiven, rising from the grave alive, so that he then, the living Jesus, can come into our lives, make us a new creation, and we are born again spiritually, and write our names in the Lamb's book of life, Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Bible talks about this Lamb's book of life, and all those whose names are in that book have heaven as their home. That's their pass into glory. He, Jesus, is praying about accomplishing all that the Father sent him to do. And then he says this, verse 5, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. He's anticipating going home, going home to be with the Father. Now, just imagine, and this, now we've got to use our spiritually inspired imaginations to see Jesus going home. For 33 years, which would be a human measurement, Jesus had been here on earth. Heaven had been witnessing his growing up in this miserable, sick, lousy world that somehow because of all our sinfulness and reckless self-centered behavior is so screwed up in relationships, people living with a kind of hopeless, paralyzed sense of nowhere to go, wondering why on earth we're here. I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but the world is so sick and moved, messed up. There's a beautiful song which sings about Jesus coming into this dark, dark world to rescue us. But now we see him back in glory. Can you imagine heaven saying, welcome home, come on back? Can you imagine the anguish of heaven as they watch Jesus dying on the cross, 
beaten to within an inch of his life on the cross, as far as we know, they didn't really understand what was going on. And then they witnessed what happens. And so he's resurrected. And the opportunity for people just like us to come to know Jesus and be made new and be part of a new kingdom, rescued from darkness to light, from lostness to being found and in his family. And he now, resurrected with a new resurrection body, ascends from this world to which he came, where the angels, remember this, at Bethlehem sang great songs of praise about his being here and telling the shepherds where to go find him and what it's going to be like when they find him. A baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger, in a feeding stall for cattle. The angels were there. And now Jesus is home. And the acclamation, how thrilling it was for them. The Jesus who had been whipped to within an inch of his life, executed in shame and dishonor, but now resurrected and ascended to glory. And when it describes his being on the right hand of the Father with all authority and acclaim. Listen to these words. This is the Apostle Paul writing in the the letter to the Ephesians. He says this in verse 19 of Ephesians 1, and his incomparable and great power for us who believe, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You can see Paul struggling to talk about the authority, the splendor, the might, the power revested in Jesus, sitting with the Father in glory. Can you see that? It's hard for me to convey. God has got to inspire our imaginations. The closest we could ever come to it was like me, a little boy, growing up in England and seeing the great affairs of the king and queen, and people turning out in their thousands, and the king and queen riding in some very romantic, unbelievable kind of carriage through the streets of London, and thousands cheering. It's hard for Americans to identify with that. As close as you might get is Pittsburgh coming back with the Stanley Cup. You see the images of that cup being skated around the arena with one player after another, kissing it, holding it up, and the fans going crazy. You may not know this, but Sid the Kid brought that Stanley Cup back to Sewickley and walked it around all the stalls of Sewickley, every restaurant, in and out of the post office, the bakery, the cleaners, and everybody is kind of in awe. People get their picture taken with the Stanley Cup. We're kind of awestruck by it all. Can you imagine how minuscule and unimportant that is in comparison to Jesus going home and 
reigning in glory from a throne that is with all authority and might and power over all kingdoms and kings and every authority that was or is or will ever be. I mean, I've got images of our own Ben Roethlisberger holding up, may it be this year, that cup of honor and glory, the, the team around and the confetti falling in the arena and everybody screaming, as great as that is doesn't even begin to match Jesus going home to glory. Do you get it? It's hard to capture it. But let's talk to him right now. Bow your heads with me, please. Because the same Jesus who is enthroned in glory ever lives to make intercession for us. He's on our side there, our advocate, to welcome us home. How amazing. To welcome us home one day. Oh Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for these words that as as hard as it is to conceive of what it meant for you to go back to glory, that if in some way we've entered into that and into another world, the heaven that you've prepared for us, our new home in glory prepared for us, with new bodies that never grow old and are never sick, no more tears, no more death, everything made new, and freely, joyfully singing to you and enjoying each other in perfect fellowship, perfect love. No hate, no distrust, no aloneness, no shame, no discord, nothing to divide us. Holy, united, loving each other and loving Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, loving the God of glory. O Lord, Give us just a little taste of that, the expectation of it, the longing for it, the desire to be with you in your kingdom. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.